0: In the 1980s, the world saw a boom in the number of people claiming to have been abducted by alien beings, experimented upon, and returned to the spot where they had been taken from. The catalysts of this movement were Bud Hopkins, whose work with abductees gained prominence within the decade. The second was the publication of a book in 1987 that connected with a number of people the moment they held it in their hands. The book I'm referring to, as you already probably know, is Communion. When people held the book in their hands, they felt a strange connection with the alien being on the cover, staring back at them. For many, this being frightened them. Its large eyes looked to know more than it was letting on, its small mouth designed to keep its secrets within, and its tan skin looked aged, as if it had held onto those secrets for hundreds of years. Within the ever-expanding role of the abductee and the UFO subculture during that time period is one man's account which doesn't quite seem to fit. Sitting on a riverbank in 1983, one man went on board a UFO willfully and was rejected outright by the inhabitants that led him to it. My name is Rob Christofferson, and this is a special bonus mini the Our Strange Guys podcast. The Massingstroke Canal was constructed in 1794 to stimulate agricultural development in the Hampshire region of England. It fell into disuse a mere four decades later, when the London and Southwestern Railway Company laid track in the area, allowing supplies to flow more easily in. The canal became a recreational spot for fishermen and boaters alike. The canal gets its namesake from A.J. Harmsworth, who attempted to navigate the entirety of the canal in his boat, the Bassing Stroke, in 1913 in order to keep the canal operating. It was repurposed a few years later, during World War I, to transport supplies to various towns along the narrow waterway, and to train troops on boat maneuvers. In 1977, the canal was closed due to structural problems. It would undergo restoration until being reopened in 1991, In 1983, Alfred Berteau, like many of the residents of Aldershot, England, used the canal for recreational fishing. On the night of August 12th, he took his dog Tiny with him to the banks of the canal for some night fishing. It was around 1 a.m. when he found the perfect spot. Berteau was a historian who had served in the Queen's Royal Regiment in the early 20s, and later served in World War II as part of a regiment from New Hampshire. He had spent time in the Canadian wilderness, often hunting, and at other times had been a farmer by trade. Berteau was alone by the banks of the canal when he took a sip of tea from his flask. As he tipped his head back, a set of lights came into view. They hovered close to the fisherman, settling a mere three hundred and twenty-five feet away in a copse of trees. Berteau stood up to get a better view and he could see the lights coming through the branches. And minutes later, Tiny began to growl uncontrollably. Even when Berteau tried to silence the dog, he wouldn't stop. From the cast of the lights, he could discern two figures coming toward him. They were short, approximately four feet tall, and decked head to toe in pale green coveralls and a helmet with a black visor. The humanoids merely stood and stared at the oddly calm fisherman for a minute or two. Perhaps it was the tough Canadian wilderness, or his time in war, that led Berteau to have a hardened exterior, but he reported to the Aldershot News that he was strangely calm at the time. One of the figures motioned for him to follow, and with one figure in front and another behind him, was led to a craft that was sitting on ski runners on the ground. A set of stairs jutted out and down the side of the craft, which led to an opening on the side. The craft itself was pill-shaped and ringed by round porthole-sized lights. It had a strange dome on top that rotated when it took off and was about 45 feet wide. Berto walked up the steps and into an octangular room. He was left here for a number of moments while one of the beings disappeared into another room. The other simply stood guard by the entrance door. Bertou took in all his eyes would allow. The room was featureless. Its black walls resembled unfinished metal and was devoid of any signs of construction. It was as if it had been born from a single piece of metal. The atmosphere was warm, warmer than it was outside in the cool August night, and an aroma resembling rotting meat could be detected too. Bertou never thought he was in the belly of a UFO, even when he was technically in the belly of a UFO. Could it be a military experiment? After all, Aldershot is known as the home of the British military. The minutes ticked by. The silence within the ship was broken by the sound of something coming up through the floor. It was a shaft, accompanied by two of the suited beings on either side of it, Bertu was instructed to stand under an amber light by a loud, booming voice. Stepping forward, he could see an amber-colored light coming down from the ceiling. And once under it, the booming voice then asked him to state his age. The 77-year-old fisherman did, stating that he would be 78 on his next birthday. The booming voice then instructed him to leave, stating that he was too old and, and firm for their purposes. Bertu was relatively unfazed by the rejection. He settled back down at his spot with Tiny, and continued to fish well into the morning. He watched as the light grew brighter, and the craft lifted up through the trees and sped away. At 10 o'clock that morning, Bertu encountered two Ministry of Defense officers and relayed the UFO encounter to them. One of them responded, Yes, I suspect you did see that UFO. I expect they were checking on our military installations. Two months after the encounter, Bertu's story appeared in the Aldershot News in an attempt to find additional eyewitnesses. He would be interviewed by a handful of UFO groups and by ufologist Timothy Good, who all believed his story, but unfortunately, no further eyewitnesses came forward. In the years following Alfred Berteau's encounter, the military presence in the area has increased. Armed troops dressed all in black have been spotted in the area multiple times. What was once public land is now deemed for military use. In the local papers, around late August most years, you can find an article written on the anniversary of Berteau's death of August 31, 1986. The articles always say the same thing. They recount his story, they emphasize that it didn't happen, and that the man became a laughingstock in his final years. But the truth is, Berteau didn't live long enough to feel the wrath of the skeptics, and he was far from the only one that believed. This minisode was written and recorded by me. Our logo and web design is by the great Desdemona, and our theme song was composed by Big Cats. Thanks so much for listening. media.